Welcome to the Dare to Multiply podcast. On this podcast, we help passionate Jesus followers become courageous, obedient disciples who impact their communities for the kingdom of God. I'm your host, Cynthia Anderson, a disciple multiplication coach and trainer. I'm going to show you how to make and multiply disciples in your area. God's got great things ahead for you. Let's dare to multiply. Can movements happen in America? This is a question I am often asked, and uh, it is exciting today. I have Corey Osborne, who's from the Kansas City Underground. They've been experimenting and working with movements for about 15 years, but officially began about five years ago. And Corey's got some great stories to share of how God is bringing multiplication of disciples and disciple-making groups right here in my home country, the United States. And this is something that we've been praying for from around the world that it would take place everywhere. And so you're gonna really enjoy hearing from Corey today. He's got some great insights for anyone working in a Western context and for all of us as movement leaders. So we'll be right back with that in just a moment. Are you busy but not seeing the fruit you long for? Dissatisfied with your present level of impact on those around you? Are frustrated with traditional methods of discipleship that don't seem to be effective? If so, the Getting Started in Disciple-Making Movements course may be just what you need. Inside the Getting Started program, you'll get access to a step-by-step proven approach to making and multiplying disciples. Not only will you receive 25 short and practical video teachings spread out over six modules, but you'll have a chance to connect with others for group coaching via our monthly Zoom calls And even more importantly, you'll become part of a global community of like-minded people from all over the world who are passionately committed to following Jesus and impacting others around them. If you want to get unstuck and begin moving forward as a disciple who makes disciples, I encourage you to go to courses.dmmsfrontiermissions.com and sign up for this powerful program today. And now to today's episode. I am here with Corey Osborne, who is from the Kansas City Underground. Corey, thanks for being on. It's great to meet you. Yeah, hey, great to meet you. And it's, yeah, my pleasure. Glad to be here. Yeah, really looking forward to hearing more of your journey and your story and what's been happening there in Kansas City and through you guys. And yeah, just really looking forward to it. Um, before, Before we dive into kind of the content, tell us a little bit about who you are and maybe even uh, how you came to be interested in disciple multiplication and yeah, a little bit of your story. Oh yeah. Uh, wow. Man. I can, I can go a lot of direction. Um, so I am, I'm almost 40 years old. Uh, and as, so that makes me like an old millennial in you know, the <laughs> context of defining our generations. Right. And, uh, and I think I'm part of that generation where uh, there's kind of this mass exodus from the church. And so just as far as I've ever known, as long as I've ever known, um, like my friends weren't coming to church. You know, I, I graduated with a class of probably 500 here in high like my high school class. And I probably knew a dozen believers that were really walking in their faith. Uh, mm. So I was always kind of that outside the box church leader kind of person. And uh, I remember in college, maybe what really sparked a lot of this was right after college, uh, I sat in a seminar uh, by a guy named Craig McElvain, 
that was called All Quiet in the Western Church. And it was the first time I saw a bunch of statistics of the church decline and it uh, opened my eyes a lot. And it was actually there that I uh, was introduced to the book Church Planning Movements. So that was mm-hmm. in 2006, I think it was. Okay. So early on in my journey, I was 21, I think at that time. And um, and then it was a few years after being in Kansas City, uh, got married uh, and was just like, doing ministry stuff as a youth pastor and, and uh, allowed to have some freedom doing some other things under the, the umbrella of a local church. And uh, I met with a guy named Roy Moran, here's in, who's here in Kansas City. And so I always say Roy is the one who corrupted me. I started really <laughs> learning from people in Africa, started hanging out uh, all place. I started to travel a little bit and just be on the ground. And that was a, a big part of the journey. It's like, man, once you see it on the ground, you see disciples making disciples, churches making churches. It is it is hard to go back to just doing what we were doing before. So it's a really fast journey. But I'm here in Kansas City. Uh, have my, I'm married. We have three kids. And uh, yeah, been journeying for a while now. Well, that's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing about that. And yeah, um, I just wrote a book called The Multiplier's Mindset. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but as I was doing research for that book, one of the things that I discovered, not surprisingly, for most people, there's someone who was a corrupting influence, <laughs> a voice that was a provoking kind of challenge to them of seeing things differently. And um, yeah, for me, it was George Patterson uh, yeah. who came to a, uh, to Nepal when we were working there and did a seminar. And all of a sudden it was like, wow, we should be thinking not about one church, but churches that multiply and how do we do that? And so, yeah, yeah really interesting to hear uh, about Roy and Roy's a friend and somebody that I respect as well. We've had him had him on as well in the past, yeah. but yeah. And then tell us a little bit about Kansas City Underground. Are you one of the leaders in that? Um, did you pioneer that? How did it get started? And what do you guys do? Yeah, you know, so KC Underground, we always, we, we're about five, almost five years old. Uh, but we always say and joke that we're really all of our stories is probably 15 years of back work. Because mm. um, right after I really started diving in to what it could look like to see movements here in our own city, uh, I was really trying to train and stir a lot of the, the, the friends of ours that were in our local church and uh weren't seeing a lot of you know momentum and uh, so i was asking god where where are you at work where are the best missionaries that i can find here in my own city and uh god answered both of those kind of prayers with the same answer i started actually uh, investing in in the local county jails here Mm. in kansas Kansas city and saw just the first time ever just kind of a like this multiplication like that went pretty viral within these jail settings spilled mm-hmm. out we had some real simple church expressions on the outside we now call micro churches i'm saying all this because that was the world i was in i was starting to go all in i want to mm. see movement in my city um, i'm going to start with these people because it's some of the best leaders i've ever been around they've just uh they've just been leading in the wrong way all right and so it's that's where i was at and then um simultaneously there was a there's a group of some other just high level leaders connected with a kind of mega church in kind of western part of Kansas City. And uh, the Lord just kind of brought some things together and we were dreaming. It's like, what if we created essentially a missions organization that Mm -hmm. instead of being a missions organization that sent people globally, we actually existed for Kansas City. And that Mm -hmm. means that we would we would exist to train, equip, 
coach, shepherd, walk alongside normal everyday people, right? Regular mm -hmm. humans in regular jobs, regular neighborhoods. How do they live on mission? How do they mm -hmm. find spiritually interested people? How do they, the language we use is plant the gospel within their networks and begin to see disciple making from the ground up. And we found, yeah, we, uh, that kind of creating our own missions organization that we always say it's two part structure. One part is it's, it's all the centralized stuff that a missions organization might, uh, might support people with from shepherding, coaching, training, all those things. Uh, that's one part. But the other part is this, this, the decentralized fruit that comes out of that. Right. So we're just mm. like giving language for people like, all right, let's do it. Let's go all in. Who are my people? Who's God calling me? So we really, we, we were all about mobilizing ordinary people to reach their own people. And uh, so that's been, that's been like the five-year journey. Like right before COVID is when we saw kind of our first like explosion of fruit because mm. it was that small season here in the States. I always say before everyone just got mad at each other, there was like a few <laughs> where there was like spiritual interest, right? People were asking different mm -hmm. questions. And we already had a big group of people that when we launched Underground, kind of a bunch of ordinary people. And I say ordinary, that's a compliment in our network, by the way. We mm -hmm. say ordinary, rejoice over uh, non-paid Christians. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we started to see this incredible um, fruit because when a lot of these things were closing down, our people are already mobilized. They already were seeing these. This is my mission field, my neighborhood. So we had discovery Bible studies popping up in driveways and over Zoom and all these different, you know, expressions. And we're kind of off and running after that. Wow, that's exciting. And yeah, so many things that you just said that I would love to unpack. I keep, you know, taking little notes, but um, ordinary people on mission for Jesus, unpaid people, people who are not professional pastors and missionaries and leaders, but they, they have a heart to reach their neighbors and their colleagues and and getting coming alongside of them. I mean, that's something I so resonate with and talk a lot about myself as well, that God just loves. And that's what we see in movements all around the world where I've worked in Asia and Africa. It's ordinary people who are really the drivers of most movements. It's not the charismatic leader. It's not the, you know, the person who's most trained with all the degrees, but it's ordinary people who just love Jesus and want to make him known to others around them. So love that so much. And you you used a term decentralized fruit. That's something that maybe some of the people who are listening may not know quite. What does that mean? What do you mean decentralized fruit? Yeah. Um, that may be some insider jargon or whatever, but tell us a little bit more about that if you would. Totally. That's yeah, probably insider jargon, meeting my own crazy mind and how I'm describing things. So uh, what I mean by de the decentralized piece of that, right, is that when we come alongside, you know, some, let's say it's my wife and I, and we have a heart to reach our friends in the local elementary school, right? Because our kids are in elementary school. Like decentralized is the idea that instead of, okay, you're going to come to our church building, our programs, and then the main missional strategy is, okay, my wife and I are going to try to get these people that we're meeting into this thing. Mm. When we, when we unleash the gospel in a way that we are saying, no, we believe that every disciple is actually a disciple maker. We believe that every follower of Jesus is, um, probably the best missionary in the space that God has them. 
that's the same insider outsider idea. If you're an insider, mm-hmm. you're going to be better than if you're an outsider. And uh, so when we come alongside people and they, we really help them capture that mindset, right? That mm-hmm. vision that man, yeah, you maybe didn't go to seminary, but I guarantee you, you are more effective at reaching these people than I am. Uh, really a lot of it is just saying, yeah, we believe in you. And uh, mm-hmm. so decentralized meaning you don't have to come back to us, you know, mm-hmm. it's not dependent upon me as a pastor. It's not dependent upon me as a, as a paid professional, you are the primary worker in the field. Mm. And that is a major paradigm shift. Yes, it does. Tons of uh, the vast majority of, of believers in the States. Uh, however, there is a large contingency of people who just feel probably like how I felt in churches, like the box is crushing me. Like, I feel like there's more to this, but I didn't necessarily have language for it. I couldn't identify it. And I think that's just a lot of what we try to do is we just help say, hey, how's God already working? Like, what does it look mm. like for you to join God and what he is already doing? And that's the fun stories that we get to hear, man. It's it's pretty wild when you, when you take that posture. Mm. You kind of take that weight off your shoulders. Like, I'm not the yeah. one has to do it. I don't have to give the perfect presentation. I don't have to say the perfect thing, but I'm just going to join God, listen to people, invite them to discover Jesus in their timing. And it really is, it's a whole different ballgame than what I was trying to do before. Yeah, indeed. And it's not about bringing people into your program or into your your church or into your, even into your movement, so to speak. It's bringing people to Jesus wherever they are and letting these expressions of the church kind of emerge and and develop and grow and multiply and um, yeah, that's that's I'm sure there's some really fun stories about that and we're going to hear those in a minute. But yeah. you know, a lot of people have asked me. It's probably one of the most common questions I get as I train people about disciple making movements around the world is, um, can it happen in the West? Is it happening in places like America and Europe? Why isn't it happening more? Um, it's how you know. Is it really worth us trying to pursue something like this? Obviously, you've decided it is. You are doing it. But what what do you answer people when they say that kind of thing? I'm sure you've heard those questions before as well. Just can it happen in America? What leads you to believe it can? Yeah. Well, usually when someone says, "Can it happen in America?" I'll say, "Well, are there people in America?" Um, and so <laughs> the answer is yes. I think we are getting to a point that we are post-Christian enough mm-hmm. that we're even getting to a point where it's easier to wrap our minds around what movement could look like in the States. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there are barriers. I mean, I've, every context, every culture, there are barriers to viral spread of the gospel, to movement. Uh, I think America has some ones that are pretty big that we are all identifying. It's why people are asking that question. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and some of those, like the barricades that I think of or the barriers that I think of are like, we're just a very independent, uh, we don't have natural relational networks, right? We're disconnected. And so sometimes that traditional, uh, I'm going to go somewhere, I'm going to find that person of peace who's got this big network of people. We're going to come alongside that person's influence, plant the gospel. Uh, that. That strategy, the, the DNA of that strategy, like the, the pillars of that strategy still exist. Mm-hmm. But on the ground, we have to be creative and understand mm-hmm. that those, those networks don't really exist, right? So that is a, that's a big one, and it takes some time. Uh, I think America, we also, 
we just love to hear about things that happen in Africa or Asia or all the, you know, we get to hear stories from, from you and others. And we're like, okay. And we, we find that programmatic element that we can just take and implement as if, you know, Hey, discovery Bible study. Okay. I'm just going to do that. And then, Oh, it didn't work after three months of trying it, whatever. I, I, for those of you listening, I'm putting in quotes for trying. Right. <laughs> um, and so I think we're just so enamored by trying things fast, like plug and play. We don't really have this, the spiritual muscle memory of waiting on Jesus and desperately crying out in prayer and, and going all in to reach people. And like, and so I think for us, what we've just, what can it happen in America? Yeah. But it's mm. got to rewire some of the ways that we've been thinking about evangelism, about church. There's a lot of things, but, and he's starting to do it. Like there's, mm. there's more stories of early momentum. Um, and I think some of the things that we've been trying in Kansas city is it's not so much that we've like, Hey, we're doing it better, but it's, I think we are doing it more patiently. Like we're, we've, we've created kind of an ecosystem where we can fail a lot. Mm. A lot of people can keep trying. Um, just kind of the word I use is ecosystem. We've kind of helped create an ecosystem and, uh, and then multiplication begins to happen slowly, but surely, uh, things pop up and it looks different, but, um, yeah, I, I could talk for way too many hours on that on that question, but yeah, it's not only can it happen; it's happening. It's beginning to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the decade, I think we're going to see it a lot more. Yeah, I I so agree with that. And you know, I don't work in America. I'm an American, but I don't work in America. I live and work in Asia and other parts of the world. But I tell people the same thing all the time. Of course it can happen. It's biblical. It's the (laughs) same word of God. People are people. And yes, it's going to need to be adapted. But but it won't happen if we don't believe it will. You know, we have to first have faith and believe and be willing like you have um, to persevere. I love what you said about creating an ecosystem or an environment where it's okay to fail. It's okay to try. It's okay to experiment because we're learning with God and we're learning with one another. And I think um, it's easy to tell the glory stories <laughs> of, you know, wow, we, we've seen tens of thousands of people come to the Lord and sweep through this region of India and, you know, all these things. But there's a lot of trial and error and failures and places where we had groups that fell apart and betrayals. And there's a lot behind those movement stories that don't always get told. And I think as Americans, we're we're walking through some of those. We're, you know, we're we're making our own stories and we're learning. I so appreciate Corey how you guys are creating that kind of an environment. I think that's going to be really, really essential. And um, I I saw that in a recent article um, that you wrote. You said we have far more failure stories than success stories. And I thought, well, that is really courageous to write that. And I appreciate your honesty and vulnerability about that, because I think all of us who are in movements would say that, you know, but, you know, when the success does come, so to speak, you know, when when God does begin to move, then, you know, it does far overshadow all of that, doesn't it? But yeah, it's it's so interesting because like when COVID hit, we, there was a there was this like season of time where it felt like we were, I don't know how to say it, Christian famous for a little while, and uh, and there was all this, you know, again quotes Christian famous, and uh, probably uh, there was that desire to be well known, 
to kind mm-hmm. of take take off and run with these these great things. And 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 here's the reality is that we had to like really step back from a lot of that mm-hmm. and just be patient and like and that's why I'm so quick to say talk about all of our, our failures. Is because we're so quick to put people up on pedestals. Um, what's the next great thing that we can try to implement? Mm-hmm. And it's like we're constantly saying, hey, we don't have anything like super flashy to offer. We're going to help equip you, come alongside you. Uh, but man, like it's hard. And like one of the best things you can do as an e- everyday missionary in your context is to like be patient and, and long, long suffering and know Sometimes, I mean, I've got, I can I throw in a story here? That's like, mm-hmm. yeah, please. So my wife uh, was going on a prayer walk about a year and a half ago. And she's just really, uh, the Lord said, brought this major upgrade in her just kind of hearing from God. And uh, there was one household that we had just started getting kind of a micro church happening in our network, like our neighborhood and friend group and a bunch of two or three families that didn't know Jesus, but were seeking and, uh, so in that she's walking, she's, she's prayer walking and she walks by this one household and God is just lighting up this household. I mean, just like, I mean, like in mm. her spirit, like she's walking, I don't know. She describes like her whole body's like on fire. Right. Wow. So it was fun. So we just started praying more for the, this particular family, found out who they were, had some, you know, they had a kid that was in the same grade as one of our kids and, uh, started running into them all the time. And this past summer we did a little vacation Bible school thing in the front yard, uh, had like 40 kids coming. It was a blast. One of them was this family. And, uh, next thing we know they're pressing in, they're gathering with us and these other families on Sunday mornings when we do our kind of church time and discovery Bible study time. And, uh, man, what we found out just recently, like this past week, they start telling the story of man about a year and a half ago, they just felt like, you know, God was calling, the, you know, they started using this language, like he was stirring their hearts. And, um, and so really like that was a year and a half, that was a mm. year and a half later before we saw this fruit. And they're already thinking about how they can start their own group because they know right. people and their friends in the neighborhood. And, and it's like, I think we don't usually have that patience. And we usually mm. would say, you know, we hear, we hear about movement overseas and we think everything is fast, 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 fast. Um, but man, when we go the speed of God, it's like, it's like I want to take speed out of the equation for us mm. who can't help ourselves, and we're always thinking about, you know, doing things faster, faster, faster. Um, <laughs> and it's like if we just take speed out of the equation, it's like we're just going to go with the speed of God. Then you start to kind of get in the wake of you know the current, and it's mm. like, oh, and you get a bunch of people doing that at the same time. You get a lot mm. of things that look like fast multiplication. That's really a lot of slow things happening at the same time, faithfully. Um, mm. And then we just don't have a lot of paradigm for that in the Western church. Mm. There's a lot of failures in that. That's uh, so many failures, so hard. But um, uh, over time, it's it, we see miraculous things. No doubt. Mm. Yeah, I love that. A lot of slow things happening at the same time. Mm. You know that kind of look. They look fast. And, you know, I think there there can be that kind of tipping point where things begin to accelerate in a movement. But, um, yeah, I really agree. It's 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 a lot of patience and a lot of willingness to 
to put in the hours in prayer, to put in the hours and, you know, somebody that you had a sense about and yeah, continuing to pursue them in God like your wife did. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm um, actually curious uh, if you have had the same experience because we're, you know, we're just like early stage. So we, we have, a, you know, probably 105 or so that we would call what we call micro churches. Uh, but tons more activity, discovery Bible study settings popping up all over the city. Uh, but what we, what we've experienced is it's like, it's like we wait, 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 wait. And then there's like a catalytic moment and we'll see a bunch of things happen. And then it's wait, 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 wait. Um, and I don't know if that's similar to what you've, you've seen globally or, uh, yeah, when that tipping point might happen now, I see, I'm, I'm taking the podcast, I'm turning it back to you. Cause I want to <laughs> you have to have me on your podcast to get those answers. Oh no, I'm just teasing. But um, no, I think there, that's, that's true. There, there are these points of acceleration and there can be points of setback, um, you know, and that, that we've definitely experienced that as well. But sometimes I find it's when you find a particular person who's maybe um, a gospel spreader, they, they, a super spreader, sometimes we call them, you know, yeah. these people. And, you know, they can be really influential in accelerating things, you know, particularly, particular people throughout that uh, movement that sort of shoot it forward all of a sudden or things like yeah. that that can happen. But like you said, when you have a lot of that, and it gets bigger, <laughs> you know, when you move from 100 to 300 or, you know, then it's, then you're seeing a lot more of that uh, simultaneously, I think, happening. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, definitely. I, I so agree. Slow and steady in the beginning, building the right DNA, just being patient, um, making sure that the focus isn't on, and I, I read this in your article too, the focus shouldn't be on getting to fourth generation. That's not the goal. <laughs> the goal is making disciples. So do you want to say anything more about that? I know you talked about it in your article. Yeah, you know, the reason why uh, I even wrote this, I, I woke up one morning, I, I'd gotten multiple questions from various disciple-making movement leaders and, and practitioners in the States and all of them were asking me about fourth. How many generations do you have? How many generations do you have? And uh, and as someone who's been studying movements for close to a decade, uh, I don't know. I think I was like, I don't care anymore about that question. And <laughs> and I mean that the nicest <laughs> way possible. I think I think what it often does when we we're studying movements, and it's super helpful to know four generations, and we can label that as a you know church planning movement or disciple making movement. And, uh, but on the ground, it really doesn't do much to help us. And what it sometimes can do is actually speed us up too fast. Like we can start to focus on multiplication too early, force mm -hmm. it kind of that. I was talking about earlier that like fast food culture or that, you know, Amazon Prime next day delivery kind of culture that we have in America where we just want to do things fast. And, and uh, I think I might have said in the article you know, you can have garbage and multiply it four times. It doesn't mean it's good. And uh, mm. so it's like that balance. If we want to wait on the Lord, let him do the deep work of transformation in someone's life while at the same time be ready to release them as soon as possible. And and that's just a balance that I think that we haven't done very well in America, um, a mm. lot of practitioners. And uh, so I was just like proposing as I think about it, like, let's just take that four generation like threshold and like, let's not even worry about it. Let's just worry about multiplying healthy fruit uh, in all the different forms. And then 
uh, because there's nothing inherently biblical about four generations. It's awesome. It's, I love it. More and more, please Jesus. But uh, if it's a barrier that I think it sometimes can be in, in disciple-making movement circles, then let's remove the barrier. Yeah, I think that's so, so good. And I so agree with that, Corey. It's just the fourth generation is just a marker of some sort, but it's not even the most significant marker. <laughs> it yeah. just It's just a marker that helps us know there is some actual multiplication that's happening that can be measured. Um, and yeah, say a little bit more about this deep transforming work, but also being ready to release people. How, how do we, how have you been working with that tension? Oh man, it's, it's so funny because it seems like every network is different. And that's mm-hmm. where, that's why we want to give a lot of freedom to people, you know, that like multiplication is our goal, but some networks, I mean, the average American in an average, let's just say suburban setting, let's just go there because that's where sometimes the hardest groups to get started are sometimes in those settings. Uh, the average person in those settings are lonely, you know, mm-hmm. like there's their hunger what often drives them either to Jesus or to desire to be around people is that they're, they're just lonely. You know, they don't have a lot of friends. And, and so when we train our people to live on mission, they like, they start to like, Hey, this is this, uh, let's say that their neighborhood is their mission field. So they're going to live really purposely. They're going to open their house. They're going to throw parties. They're going to what, you know, whatever it is. Well, you're just beginning relationships. Like you're just actually kind of building a relational container in which to plant the gospel in. Yeah. You speed that process up, then these people who are like, it's finally they're starting to get real human connection. And you say, okay, go do this with other people. It's like splitting family, you know? And that was a lot of my experience with multiplication. Uh, but instead, there's, I mean, it's hard to even programize this, but that story I told earlier about that family that just started connecting with us. They are kind of a late addition, but they're way past all these other families in terms of multiplication because they're like, oh, this would be so cool to do. And they start naming these other families. So it's more looking for like the right ones than assuming um, everyone is going to multiply. That's like that's one thought that I have with it. Other networks, it's, it's way more natural to multiply. Like our guys who've come out of jail and addiction, uh, they know a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're also it's hard for them to go back to those people because they end up, you know, as addicts. So it's just like every, every uh, network is, is different and it just seems like it's a balance. And if we approach it more like an art than a science, then I think it's just going to be, it's just healthier. Um, mm. We just are able to be patient with that. Right. Oh, that's so good. And like you said, um, encouraging multiplication you're encouraging people to pass on what they know to but some people don't have those networks some people have other issues that they're still working on they're not quite ready and being patient with god god's process in people's lives i think that's really really good well this has been fascinating Corey. our time has gone really really fast tell me another story maybe um tell us a story of someone else that that has been multiplying an ordinary person. Maybe you, you told a little bit about you and your wife, but yeah. tell us about somebody who's not a paid professional, not a trained minister who's starting to see multiplication and making disciples. Totally. Yeah. Um, you know, so I've got two or three stories. Let's, yeah, I can do, I'll do a couple of real fast ones. Uh, a couple of years back, I was 
hanging with a friend of mine who um, has a has a little bit of a learning disability, and his brother is uh, ha- has some pretty significant special needs, adults adult with special needs, and it was so. You, you're talking about ordinary people. You're talking about people who weren't necessarily trained or have like excess skills or, or gifts in this. You know, I just remember sitting down at lunch with him and he's like basically telling me, man, I want to do this. I want to, I want to make disciples. And I just asked him like, is there somewhere that you really feel like God is like calling you to? He sat there thinking for a while. And, and then he goes, you know, my brother. And I, it's, it makes me cry almost every time I tell this story. Uh, and so he, he connected with the, the group home and the day service that was working with these adults with special needs. And it was an automatic. Yes. Like, I want you to come and be a part of this. And um, if I would have done that, they would have said no, but he mm-hmm. goes in there. Uh, and it was the first time that uh, we, we started a new group that was happening within uh, within like a day sitter program. Um, and every week they have 20 to 30 adults with special needs doing church together, doing discovery Bible study. And they, I mean, and now we're looking at, there's like three or four other day programs that we're looking to multiply that in. Right. Oh, that's so cool. Super fun. Yeah. There was a, there's a story of a friend of ours recently who, um, hung, there's a, these, uh, cigar shops in Kansas city. Right. And it's, it's one of those few places where like men will actually go and just hang out. And, uh, so he <laughs> just go and hang out. Ironically, his wife would go with him. She was always one of the only women there. Um, and they would just have, they would just strike up conversations. They're just hanging out, you know, and mm-hmm. great thing about cigars is that you're forced to sit there for a while. Right. So they're, uh, they're smoking a cigar and getting this conversation with these, the, they call them the young, the dads, they're in their twenties. And, uh, just walking with them and talking. They got, you know, week two, they started talking about spiritual things. Uh, they kind of had some impromptu DBSs right there. And it just like, you know, talking about scripture and uh, it got, it became more of a weekly thing. They started mm-hmm. really reading the word. And then one day, I don't know if they were reading about baptism or how it came up, but one of the dads was like, I got to get baptized. Mm-hmm. And so the guy who was with our network is like, sweet, let's do it. And he's like, no, I mean now, but apparently it was like, it was like 11 o'clock and, you know, at night, November in Kansas City, right? It's really cool. Oh. <laughs> yeah. This epic story of them trying to find somewhere warm enough to do a baptism. And uh, they found an old church building and they knew an elder. And it was like those stories. So they like wow. that. I know that that little network has like four or five little churches now. Um, so I don't know exactly how that's how that's looked. But that's, that's a fun one that I just think of like an ordinary space. Uh, a lot of times I'm looking to find networks of people that, you know, so we have a soccer ministry that we connect with. And mm-hmm. uh, instead of creating it all, we found, I call them leaders of peace. There are a lot of mm-hmm. leaders of peace in the city that are actually leaning more towards movement practices than they even know. And mm-hmm. we go outside and kind of give them permission of like, hey, what if you actually have simple expressions of church right here in the ministry mm-hmm. that often we call parachurch ministry. It's really a great avenue to see new groups and churches. So we uh, partnered with the soccer ministry and suddenly have, you know, seven or eight new groups with every team that was part of that soccer ministry. Right. And so most of these, these are non-professional people. We've got groups in neighborhoods. Um, we've got groups in like, kind of elderly community. We had one, a uh, couple in the rodeo uh, culture, right? There's a, mm. and I'm, not in that, I'm like a city boy, but you just go a few minutes South. Right. And there's, uh, we had groups within the rodeo community and, and so, yeah, we just like most of the stories are pretty simple, 
right? Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. but they're filled with miracle after miracle after miracle. Um, and when mm-hmm. people really own it and they say, this is the people that God has called me to. I'm embedding myself in this because I'm an insider, right? We're, we're not just yeah. training up outside catalysts. We're training up insiders in their space. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they take ownership of it. Um, and then slowly these stories start to emerge, right? So, um, yeah. yeah. And, and so, yeah, there's, there's a handful that just, uh, you know, pop in my brain immediately, but. Wow, uh, those are. Yeah. Those are really, really great stories. And I know encouraging to those who are listening and just I, one of the things that stood out to me as I've talked to you, Corey, is just ordinary people who are insiders to their own space. They are, you know, they are doing something you and I couldn't do because they are disabled, because they are a, a senior, because they are a policeman, because they are a rodeo, uh, they like to bull whatever. ride or whatever they do. <laughs> um, they they are insiders there and they can reach people that we could never reach. Mm-hmm. And um, that God has uniquely called each person to their you know, their particular anointing, giftings, things they have to offer. And I think helping people understand that is so much in the heart of Jesus. And God's doing that more and more all around the world. It's so exciting to talk to you about what's happening in Kansas City and other parts. I know you guys are reaching across the nation and even internationally now. And um, yeah, really, really encouraged. You guys keep it up, man. We're excited to see about the many movements God's going to release through you. But how do people ca- uh, connect with you, Corey? I know you have a blog. How do people get connected if they'd like to access some of your resources or your podcast or other things? Yeah, I would say, yeah, those are probably the three ways. I mean, one, you can just go to kcunderground.com. And you can find all those things. Our main training is what we call Missionary Pathway. It's like a seven-week like on-the-ground training. We help people just like identify where God's calling them and then what does it look like to live as a missionary you know, in their own settings. Uh, so anyway, everything from gospel conversations to how to lead a discovery Bible study. And so that's kind of our main kind of first-level training. Uh, but if you actually go to missionary, oh, sorry, sorry, if you go to kcunderground.com, um, you'll actually be able to access what we call our toolkit also. A lot of resources. We have resources for things that are like, you know, from anything and everything. We don't necessarily talk about all of them all the time, but in coaching relationships might bust out like a, a tool that might help you ask better questions or things like that. So we have a lot of those in our toolkit. Uh, and then lastly, yeah, our podcast. So if you just go to you know Spotify, iTunes, whatever, we're just called Super Creative Name KC Underground Podcast. If you <laughs> okay if for that, you can you can find us. That's great. Yeah. Well, I would encourage you, especially if you are in America or anywhere close to Kansas City, connect with these guys. They have so much to offer, and um, yeah, get around people. I think so much about DMMs is more caught than taught. We can we can read a lot about it and lots of great books. I wrote one too, you know, but um, it's more caught than taught. Get around some people who are experimenting and trying or gather a group and start trying like Corey did, like I did when we first got started. And, and God's going to teach you as you persevere through this. So, Corey, once again, thanks so much for being with us and um, look forward to, yeah, we'll have to hang out in Kansas City sometime when I'm coming through. That'd be Let's fun. Do it. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.
Imagine a world where passionate followers of Jesus come together to multiply, transforming lives beyond imagination. Instead of toiling with little fruit, what if God's abundance flowed beyond your wildest dreams? Picture those you've invested in sharing Jesus freely, creating a ripple effect of disciple-making. In her new book, The Multiplier's Mindset, Cynthia Anderson reveals how shifting mindsets can revolutionize disciple-making. When Cynthia and her colleagues experienced these mindset shifts, they saw enormous results including the launching of 19 multiplying movements in Africa and Asia, transforming tens of thousands of lives. This book will help you discover hidden harvesters, see church members move from passivity to passion, and release the power of simplicity in multiplying disciples. Don't remain stuck. Learn to move toward greater fruitfulness. Visit MultipliersMindset.com and get your copy of The Multipliers Mindset today. What a wonderful opportunity to listen to what Corey had to share. I love his heart. I love that he is willing to be patient, that he's been willing together with his team to experiment and fail and even create an environment of experimentation, that it is okay to try and fail and learn and keep going and learn how to multiply disciples, how to make disciples in a context that hasn't seen a lot of movements yet, but both Corey and I believe we'll see many, many more in the days to come. God is on the move and he's on the move everywhere in the world. So I just wanna share some of the quick takeaways for me. One of the takeaways was that God is using regular people who are living on mission in their jobs, in their neighborhoods, in their unique context, using their unique gifts and skills and who they are to be a missionary, to be missional in their context. And God is using that to reach many people and start new groups. He talked about decentralized fruit, and we unpacked that a little bit. What is decentralized fruit? It's not about getting everyone to join your church or join your program, but it's how do we see the kingdom of God out there expanding and growing through people that we maybe have in our network and seeing it go out there and not come into our program. Insiders are more effective in reaching people than outsiders. That's something that we know as missionaries around the world. We always want to try to find an insider if we want to be effective in reaching a people group. Well, Corey was talking about the importance of finding insiders in their own context who are really already believers. How do you mobilize them and train them to be missional in their community and help them to see that they actually have something to offer that trained professionals, pastors, and preachers maybe don't have that they can give in their context because they're uniquely designed for it and they're uniquely positioned for it for even greater effectiveness. Patience was something that Corey talked about a lot. And I think for anyone anywhere in the world who's listening to this, patience is essential. Perseverance is something I talk about a lot, but perseverance and patience are essential if we want to see a movement release. It's not going to happen overnight. You're going to have many attempts and things that you try and experiment with and being willing to be patient with what God is doing in an individual person's life, in your neighborhood, what he's doing in you. And that movements really are a lot of slow things happening all at once. So there's a, a balance between going after deep transformational work in people's lives, which is going to be slow. Uh, it takes time. 
but also being willing to release people so that whatever they have been given, they can immediately begin to pass it on to others. Um, I also thought it was really good when you talked about building a relational container. How do we build a relational container for, uh, for the movement to begin in and for those gospel seeds to go into um, kind of a hothouse? How do you create that relational container, especially for those who are so isolated and don't have a network of friends and family that they can naturally reach out to. So if you're an American and you're listening, I just want to encourage you. Movements are possible. It can happen through you. It can happen in your location. It can happen in your on your golf course. It can happen wherever you work. God is on the move and he wants to move through you. Be encouraged today. And for those of you who are listening who aren't from America, I would like to ask you to pray for my country. Would you pray that movements would be released here? I agree with Corey. The time is ripening for a move of God in our nation and for a, a different expression of church. It's not that the other expression is going to go away or needs to in any way, but there, it, there needs to be room for a new expression of church to take off and for, for movements to be released that will engage and reach those who are really leaving the church in droves uh, in our nation. So pray with us that that will happen in America as we also continue to pray for the, the least, the last, the lost, those who have almost zero access to the gospel. And uh, for me personally, that's my big focus. I want to stay focused on the unreached, those who have ha haven't ever had a chance to hear but I'm also praying and believing with my American brothers and sisters that God will bring movements here. So take a moment and pray for that. And again, if you're an American, be encouraged. God has great things for you. He's going to do something, something special through you in your own context and through who you uniquely are. That's all we've got for this episode of the Dare to Multiply podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you tune in to listen. Also, make sure to link up with us at dmmsfrontiermissions.com slash blog on social media. And please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Until next time, remember... God's dreams for us are always bigger than we can imagine.